morning. Good morning. Come on, y'all. Good morning. Awesome, awesome. Hey, can you give it up for this praise band for doing an amazing job this work this morning and leading us in worship? Man, Grant, Grant's back. Come on, man. Let's go. Um, it's truly a blessing to be back here uh, once again, uh, one more week uh, of our prune series. Um, just a reminder, uh, when we talk about pruning, uh, there are three things, three reasons why people majorly prune. They're pruning to get rid of their diseased, dead limbs, branches from uh, plants or trees that they have. They're pruning to form uh, plant a tree into a particular way, sometimes for it to be more um, productive uh, as, as it, as it uh, continues to flourish, also to be more appealing to the eye. But then thirdly, sometimes people prune early to uh, help establish root growth so that uh, that plant, that tree can be um, as, as productive as it possibly can. In a similar way, guys, we are pruning uh, to get rid of the unhealthy, the unproductive, unfruitful uh, habits that are hindering us from growing spiritually. We're getting rid of the stuff that's hindering us from growing spiritually uh, to, be, uh, to be formed, uh, to be shaped into the image of Christ, to be like Christ. And sometimes that's challenging because our flesh uh, gets in the way, so it can be challenging as we're uh, going through certain things that because we're trying to be like Christ, but our, our flesh, our sin uh, is there. So today we're going to be focusing on pride. Uh, we're focusing on pride. Uh, we're going from selfish to selfless. Uh, Chris gave me this joke. Uh, uh, earlier he said, man, it's a perfect time to focus on pride because pride comes before the fall. <laughs> Listen, you can thank him for that joke. That's a dad joke. I, I, I hear those are going around. So uh, uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me, Mark chapter 10. Uh, Mark chapter 10. Listen, I, I'm sorry. I love dad jokes. Uh, Mark chapter 10. We'll be at verse 35, and we're going to go to verse 45. Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to verse 45, and we're reading this morning from the CSB. Mark chapter 10, verse 35. And it starts saying, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, what do you want? <laughs> Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. What do you want me to do for you? He asked him. He answered him, Allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink uh, the cup that I drink or do you baptize with the baptism I'm baptized with? We are able, they told him. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten disciples heard this, they became, began to be indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the, as, of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be your slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What does it mean to be great? What does it mean to be great? I think it, if we went around the room and I asked each of you all, I think we would get some really good answers uh, 
as to what it means to be great. In our culture, in our society today, in order to be great, you have to have done something great. You have to do something to, to be great, to achieve greatness. You have to do something. One of the biggest uh, uh, sports uh, debates that's happening, uh, that has happened for a while now, uh, is in basketball about who's the greatest, right? Uh, it is between uh, Michael Jordan and Michael Scott, right? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> we, we know the answer to that, right? We know the answer to that. Uh, but but we, that, that debate is going on because they, um, because, uh, they, they, uh, they've done something great. Uh, they, 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 they both achieved greatness. Uh, and I said Michael Jordan, Michael Scott. Uh, I mean Michael Jordan and LeBron James, right? Uh, <laughs> they've done something great, but we know the answer to this. And so here's the thing. What society will not tell you, is the countless people who have, who have lost themselves trying to be great. They, they've lost themselves. They've gone after this greatness. Uh, they lost their freedoms trying to be great. They, they've lost their families trying to be great. They've, they've lost their minds trying to be great. They've lost their jobs trying to be great. They've lost their lives trying to be great. They've gone bankrupt trying to be great. And the sad thing in this country is that we love to see people rise and rise to fame only to fall from it. We, we love a good Cinderella story gone wrong. The desire to become great really comes from our desire to be someone, to, to be somebody. Uh, we, we want to be in the front. We want to lead. We, 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 we have this desire today. Uh, about 80, 86% of young people uh, said that they would, uh, they, they, would, they would like to try to become social media influencers. Everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to be someone. And the sad reality is, is that we're trying to be something that we already are. You're you're already somebody to the people who matter. You're already somebody to God. You're already somebody to your family. You're already somebody to your friends. You're already somebody to to your your church. You're already somebody to your community. You are already some. You are already valuable. You're already someone. In this culture, in this climate, we lose ourselves trying to be something that we already are. And today, Jesus flips this, 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 this definition of greatness uh, on its head. Jesus, uh, he, he, he says, greatness is not in what we do for ourselves. Greatness is what we do in service for others. It's not what we achieve for ourselves, but it's what we do for, in service for others. And so in the text, there, uh, these two disciples have the desire to be great. So they come to Jesus uh, with this desire to be great. And so James and John, uh, we see James and John, firstly, their selfish requests in verses 37 to 35 to 37. We, we see their selfish requests. And they come to Jesus and say, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and, and said, Teacher, we want you to do whatever you, we ask you. you know, we want you to, uh, we, we do, what do you want me to do? do, uh, he asked them. And they answered, allow us to sit at your right and at your left in your glory. In, in Matthew's gospel, it's James and John's mother who comes to uh, Jesus and he asks this question. She, she wants her sons to be taken care of, right? Uh, they, they, they have given their time. They've given their energy to Jesus. They've given their lives to Jesus. And this mother wants to make sure her boys are being taken care of. They, she, she wants to make sure that they, they have a spot uh, when, when it's time. In the passage, when Jesus responds in Matthew and in Mark when Jesus responds he doesn't respond to the mom he responds to James and John because they're grown men 
He responds to them because they're men, and it really is going to be their decision to follow him. It's their decision to follow him and their decision to suffer. Also notice the dangerous question that these James and John are asking to Jesus first. The first question is dangerous. They're, they're trying to get, the, get Jesus to agree to something before he, he, he's even heard the question. They're trying to get him to agree. They say, in some sense, they're, they're asking Jesus for a blank check. We, we want you to do whatever we ask you. What? Red flag, right? Red flag. That's, that sounds like some kids, uh, kids, you know, sometimes kids come, hey, mom and dad, we want you to agree to whatever we want, <laughs> we, we ask you, you know, uh, about, about this, uh, about getting a dog, about getting, you know, we want you to agree to this. And so they, they're asking, we want you to do whatever we ask. And Jesus uh, says, what do you want me to do? Or what do you want? Uh, this is the same question that Jesus asked in the next story over uh, to, to blind Bartimaeus. He, he asked the same question, and James and John said, hey, we want to sit at your left and in your right when you come into your glory. They're simply asking to be the second hand and third, first and second hand man of Jesus, or you can put it this way, to be second and third in charge when Jesus comes into his glory. Most scholars would agree that this request is inappropriate because of the timing. It's, it's inappropriate because Jesus, before this section, had just talked about He's going to die. At the end of this section, he's talking about he's going to die. And here, James and John, in the midst of Jesus talking about his suffering, in the midst of Jesus talking about his sacrifice, they're focused with themselves. They're they're self-centered. They're not hearing anything else. They're not hearing what Jesus is talking about. They are tone deaf. They're not, they're they're missing the mark. They're missing the point that Jesus is making. And they're focusing on themselves. They're concerned with their positions. Because James and John, they also knew and understood Jesus to be the Messiah as well, right? They, they, they were a part of the inner circle, uh, Peter, James, and John, and, and they were on the Mount of Transfiguration uh, where, where there was Moses and there was Elijah, and, and, uh, and Jesus is shining like the sun, and, and, and Peter uh, is looking around and saying, hey, man, it's good for us to be here, man. It's really good for us to be here. Should I make another altar, uh, altar for all three? But then that's when God from heaven, uh, the Father from heaven spoke and said, this is my son, who I am well pleased. They understood Jesus to be the Messiah, but they may have believed Jesus would be this Davidic type of of king who would rule with with force at some point. But in any case, James and John are looking for their position. And notice what Jesus responds to them. Jesus really reveals to them their ignorance. In verses 38 to verses 40, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from, from the cup that I drink, drink the cup that, that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism I baptize with? We are able, they told him. Jesus said to him, you, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I baptize with, but to sit at my right or my left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those whom it has been prepared. Jesus says, hey, you, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus is going to help them to understand that if the way that things are done in the kingdom are not how they're done on earth. Jesus says, can you drink from the cup and be baptized with the baptism? In other words, Jesus is alluding to suffering, that perse- persecution is coming. Uh, cup here also refers to, you know, uh, means suffering. We, we can see it in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus says, let this cup pass from me. But he says, not my will, but thy will be done. We also understand that, uh, that, that, they, that the disciples respond with, yes, we, yes, we can. 
And Jesus says you will. And, and we all know the truth that, that they will. They will experience persecution. James would die by the sword in Acts chapter 12, verse 2. John uh, would, would be persecuted in Acts 4, right? But he would also go on to live a long life. In the end, Jesus says, hey, guys, like, it is not, uh, it's not up to me to determine uh, uh, who's going to sit at my left or my right. It is it, not up to me to, to determine the seating arrangements uh, in heaven. It's not mine to give. And here's the thing. It really should be over. The, the story's over. Jesus responds to them. The story should be over, but it's not over because the disciples are upset with James and John. And Jesus, seeing this, he calls them over and, to explain, and he explains to them what greatness means or what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. But firstly, he explains to them what typical selfish leadership looks like here on the earth in the world. Verse 41 to verse 42, he says, when the 10 disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John and Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are, are, are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. Let's go back up real quick to verses 33 to 35 to 37. James and John shows us something about pride. Firstly, they show us that pride is selfish. They show us that pride is selfish. Pride looks out for itself, right? Because James and John are looking out for their own personal interest. They're looking out for their own, their own their promotion and preservation. And that's one thing that pride does. Pride looks out for self-preservation and self-promotion. James and John and their mom are trying to figure out what's in it for me. What is in it for me? What do I get out of the time that I put? What is in it for me? And we hear this question at work. We hear this question on our teams that we play on. We, we hear this question at, at home at times. We hear this question in politics. What is in it for me? I've given my time. I've given. What is in it for me? And the same attitude also creeps into the church. What, what do I get out of it? And the sad reality is when we do this, sometimes we, we miss out on opportunities to serve because we're concerned with what is in it for me. Listen, I, I like this quote that says, a life that's wrapped up in itself is a very small package. Pride also tries to tell us what we deserve. It, it tries to tell us what we deserve. Here, why does James and John deserve to sit at Jesus' left and right rather than any of the other disciples? Right? Have you thought about that? Why, why them and not Peter? They're, they're in the inner circle, but also Peter's in the inner circle. Why, why are they more deserving than any of the other disciples? They, they had no good reasoning as to why them and not any of the other disciples. Pride oftentimes tries to tell us what we deserve, what, what, what I'm privy to. <laughs> but what we'll do sometimes in our pride, we'll, pride minimizes our faults, but it all will, also will maximize the faults of others. We, we deserve to be here because of, of what we've done. Second thing we see that pride has done, of what we just read from verse 41 to verse 42, is that pride divides. It, it divides. It, it, it causes separation. It causes disunity. Uh, uh, Jesus is already seeing this as they're going back to the group. James and John, the disciples are mad with James and John. And, but notice this. This is not the first time Jesus is dealing with the issue of greatness, this topic of greatness among the disciples. In Mark chapter 9, verse, verse 30, uh, 33 to 30, uh, 35, they, they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you guys arguing about on the way? 
They were silent because on the way they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. And sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must become servant, be last and servant of all. Jesus has already hit on this topic before, but, but, but obviously they haven't heard, they haven't learned. The disciples were mad, they were indignant with the disciples, they, they were big mad with James and John, but, but the Bible doesn't really go into to why they're mad. Most scholars would, uh, would, would conclude that, that the disciples are mad because they didn't think of this question themselves, right? <laughs> that they're mad because we, we, that they got to jump on us. I can definitely see Peter and Andrew being mad because their brothers are like, man, this is genius. Why, why didn't we think of it, right? <laughs> but but, but they, they didn't think of it themselves. And so they, 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 they were lacking. But when I, when I thought about this, I said, from a, world perspe- from a worldly perspective, from a worldview, James and John did nothing wrong. From, from, from a worldly perspective, from a worldly view, they did nothing wrong. The, uh, the world would say to, to the other disciples, hey, guys, like, listen, listen, you snooze, you lose. They would say to the other disciples, they would say, just like the State Farm commercial, hey, you got to be quicker than that, right? right? You, you, they, they would say uh, uh, that, hey, James and John, they saw what they wanted and they executed. They, they got the goal. They got the prize. Uh, you, you just missed out. And from, from a world's perspective, they did nothing wrong. So, so what if they, they, they hurt others on the way? So what if they stepped on others to get where they want? The goal is a def- destination in the world, right? I, I'm at the top and you're not. Who cares what relationships I break or, or, or what relationships I, I destroy on the way? Who cares what bridges I burn on the way as long as I get to the destination? That's the issue in the world. That's how the world sees it. To the world, they would have done nothing wrong. But in the kingdom of God, that is not the way to go. God cares about relationships. He cares about our relationships and how we treat others. He cares. And to be honest, it looks like all of the disciples were thinking of themselves. And this is why Jesus doesn't just call over James and John. He calls over all the disciples. They all need help with pride. And not only do they need help with, all, with pride, we also need help with pride. Because it's really hard to do ministry when we're only thinking about ourselves. It's really hard to do marriage when we're only thinking about ourselves. It's really hard to do parenting when we're only thinking about ourselves. It's, it's really hard to do business when we only think about ourselves. It's really hard to do relationships when we only think about ourselves. It's really hard to do sports when we're only thinking about ourselves. I like this quote that says, Pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone ex- one sick except the person who has it. <laughs> Jesus lastly says in this section, pride causes mistreatment. He says, the rulers of the Gentile, they lord over it, or they're like tyrants with their power. They are overbearing. And obviously in this day and age, there, there, uh, uh, there, there were no... Uh, there was no unions, there, there, were, there, were no, there was no HR department, so those who were in leadership could treat people under them like however they wanted to. They abused their power, they treated people less than human. And today, some bosses may, may, may think the same way. They don't value those who are under them simply because they're under them, but for those who are Christians, for us who are believers, we must live and rule differently than those in the world. We have a different standard. 
we have a different standard because God cares about relationships. But then lastly, Jesus reverses what it means to be great. Verses 43 to verse 45, he reverses what it means to be great. He says, but it, it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Servant leadership is great because it's selfless. Jesus is saying, Greatness is not about ruling, it's about serving. It, uh, it, it, it's, it, it's being a servant. In the kingdom of God, it, it's serving that is great. Making ourselves less important is really a practice because all of our lives, especially being kids, we, uh, it, it, I don't even think we were, we, 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 we were taught how to be selfish. We, as, as, from, from, from being a, a baby, from, you, you learn how to be selfish, but you, learn, you have to unlearn how not to be selfish. It's, it's so easy for us to make things about us. But please also understand that what I'm not saying is that we, we don't take care of ourselves or, or you don't care, take care of yourself spiritually or, or physically uh, and, and care less for yourself. Don't, your own pastor is practicing this, but I like what C.S. Lewis says. C.S. Lewis says, says that true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. <laughs> That's really it. We're, we're thinking of ourselves less. It's thinking beyond yourself. It's, it's going beyond yourself to help someone else. Not, not what do I deserve, but, but how can I serve? Because in essence, it, it's really humbling ourselves. Matthew chapter 23 and 12 says that whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And it's crazy in Scripture how God does this. He, he, he uses uh, uh, us as a servant first before we become rulers, right? We, we see this when we look at Joseph's life. We see this when we see Moses' life, Joshua, David, he, uh, and Timothy. He, we serve, and then he brings us into leadership. We learn how to follow so we can, uh, we, we learn how to follow so we can learn how to, to, to lead. But here's the thing. Even in our leadership that Jesus is saying today, we still serve. We, we still help. We still serve. Secondly, he said, he shows us that servant leadership is great because it unites. It does the opposite of what, of what, what pride does. Notice what Jesus says. He says th three times, he says, among you, uh, three times. It, it, it's easier to serve those who are above you than to serve those who are around you. Think about it. It's, it's easier to serve those who are above you than to, to, to serve those who are around because I'm not for sure exactly why this reason is, but, but, but Jesus challenges us to, to, to serve each other because we, 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 we need to serve each other. Matter of fact, uh, uh, you can get acknowledged by those who are above you when you serve them. There are benefits to serving those who are above you, Right? But when we serve those around us, there's really, uh, it's not a great amount of benefit. There's not a lot of honor in that. But we don't do it to be seen. We don't do it to be acknowledged. We do it because it is the norm in the kingdom of God. 
it is the norm in the kingdom of God because we, because we love each other, because we have an example who, 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 who set before us, and, and that is of, of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we, when we serve those around us, and I think of my, my brothers and sisters, it was easy for me to serve my parents. You know, they, they, can, they can hook me up with a couple of dollars after serving them. But my, serving my brothers and sisters, ugh, I, what? I don't want to do that. No, thank you. But when we serve those who are around us, Notice what Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5 says. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Humility creates an environment of servants and not competitors. It creates an environment of servants and not competitors. When everybody's competing, it's, it's ugly. But when we, we serve together, man, it unites. There's no big eyes and little U's. It, it, it unites. I, uh, my wife gave me this quote. Dr. King reminded remind us uh, the same thing. He says, he said, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. Dr. King got this from Jesus. Everyone can be great because everybody can serve. Lastly, servant leadership is great because it sacrifices. Servant leadership sacrifices pride, mistreats, but in service, we sacrifice. Pride beats down, but in service or in servant leadership, we take the hits. <laughs> greatness is not found in, 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 in service. Uh, greatness is not, not found in being served, but in serving. And Jesus is our, is our greatest example of this. He's a, he is our, he's a servant leader. He, even the Son of Man is not exempt from kingdom rules of service. He serves to the point of death. The Son of Man came as an example, he says it, to, to serve and not to be served. And here's the thing, with Jesus as our example on this, there, there are no divas in the kingdom. Amen, somebody. <laughs> There are no divas in the kingdom. Because sometimes we say what we can't, <laughs> what we can't do, when in reality, or what we really are trying to say, what we won't do. There are no divas in the kingdom. I, I like this, this other quote that I've got. It says, if serving is below you, then leadership is beyond you. Jesus came to serve, and we see this story after story, time after time. He gives of himself again and again and again. The Son of Man came and gave himself as a ransom. This means that he gave uh, his life as a sacrifice for us to be free. I like what David Platt says. He says, Jesus came to, to live the life that we could not live so we, uh, uh, and to die the death that we really deserve to die. That he paid our debt for us. To, he, he paid our debt for us, in, uh, that, a debt that we could not afford to pay. He took our place. And here's the thing, I, I'm not for sure, you, I'm, 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 I'm for sure. I know uh, many of you all know what it's like to pay something off. And, and how, how blessed would, would it be to have something paid off that you didn't have to pay yourself? Listen, I thank God for things that you paid off. You pay off your, your student loans, and we praise God for that. You pay off your, 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 your car and all that stuff, and, and, and we thank God for it. You pay off your mortgage, and we, we praise God for that. But, but how much more for the sin debt that we could not pay? With no money. What, what, what were you going to do with that? What, what were we going to use to pay that off? Jesus paid our debt. 
The passage teaches us that with Jesus, it doesn't get any higher, but also with Jesus, it doesn't get any lower. (laughs) Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11 says, "In In your relationship with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen, somebody. There's, it doesn't, with Jesus, it doesn't get any lower in service and what he's done, but also it doesn't get any higher. And with him as our example, there is really nothing that we should not be able to do. There's nothing that we shouldn't be able to do in our service for others, for our brothers and our sisters. He is our example. As, as the band is coming up to lead us this invitation time, the question I want to ask you is, how are you going to be great this week? How are you going to be great, not just in your work, but how are you going to be great this week? In other words, how are you going to serve how are you going to serve others? Who will you serve? Who in your proximity can you serve this week? But not only just this week, but going forward, how can I get out of myself and serve and be more like Christ in humbling myself? Or maybe you came today and, and you've been wrestling with pride in your life. You're wrestling in pride in your heart. And you're coming under the true reality that, that nothing you've tried has worked, that it has failed time and time and time again. And you're realizing that something is missing. St. Augustine said that, hey, uh, within us, there, there is a God-sized hole that only Christ can fill, that only God can fill. There is a God-sized hole, and that, which means that sometimes we try to use money, we try to use sex, we try to use fame, we try to use uh, um, um, all kind of different things to fill this hole, but nothing will fill this hole. And all the things that we use in our relationships, those things are going to come to an end as well. Everything that we, we have on this earth has an expiration date. <laughs> But not so with Christ. We try to fill it with so many things. But, but with Christ, there is no expiration date. There's a God-sized hole that only God can fill, that only Christ can fill. Why don't, you, why don't you try him today? Because he'll meet you right where you are. It's a reminder that God loves you as is. He saves you as is. But he won't ever leave you as is. Or maybe you're looking for a place to fellowship. Maybe you're looking for a place to come where you feel like you belong. You've been treated so coldly by the world. You're looking for a place. What a beautiful church that you can come and belong at where you'll experience servant leadership here at North Point. Why don't you come and and join this church? Why don't you pray about it? See what God is saying. But but you have an opportunity to to, to be able to be a part of a a great church. And thirdly, maybe, maybe... (laughs) Maybe you're submitting today because you've been doing ministry and you've been leading and you've been doing that out of your own effort. And and you've been trying and trying, but you've been doing that out of your own strength. 
And maybe today you're saying, I, I want to surrender, Lord. I, I've, been, I've been trying things out of my own intellect, been trying out of my own uh, knowledge, but Lord, I want to surrender. So I learned about the clock. The clock, at least two times a day, throws up his hands. <laughs> we ought to be like the clock. We ought to surrender. Lord, what do you want from me in, my, in, my, in this ministry that I'm serving in? What, Lord, what do you want from me? How, how can I help better serve my, 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 those in my small group? How can I better help serve those in my community? How can I better help serve those in my job? And maybe you're surrendering today because of, you may have been, felt like you've been doing things on your own. So will you come? You have an opportunity. Thank you.